We are 10 days away from the college football season. The Kool-Aid is flowing in abundance. And I got to thinking, can Texas really make the college football playoff this year in 2023? Hmm. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. That's in all caps or enter the promo code locked on college for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. And on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we are discussing if Texas has a path to the college football playoff. In the second segment, we are ranking the top five commits to Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns football team since the 2022 class. And speaking of the 2022 class, some players from that year that may be on the bubble, may be on the verge of being recruited over. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Like I said, we are 10 days away from Texas football, three days away from college football, period. Cannot wait to sit down on Saturday and watch a bunch of teams play, even if it's not my favorite team play. But like I said, we're 10 days away from Texas football. And when you wake up tomorrow, we'll be in the single digits, nine days away from seeing Texas play Rice and DKR. And I'm so excited because it's been such a long offseason, right? It's been nine months of, you know, hearing what Texas should do this year, how talented they are, what Quinn Ewers should look like. Can Sark get to 10 wins? Will Texas finally you know, get their first Big 12 championship since 2009, you know, just a whole bunch of yapping, right? A whole bunch of Kool-Aid or a whole bunch of they won't do this, same old Texas, whatever, right? We're 10 days away from seeing the actual product on the field and letting the past do the talking. So uh, super excited, super excited to be on this journey. You know, I was just thinking yesterday that I started this uh, February 2022 and less than two years later, we already have 3,200 subscribers on YouTube and a big following on audio. And that's something that I never would have imagined. Right. So, you know, as always, if uh, you know, you like and enjoy the show, you know, please continue to like and subscribe and, you know, tell a friend, a tell a friend, a coworker, you know, an auntie, an uncle, your grandma, whoever. <laughs> right. Uh, to check out Locked on Longhorns on YouTube or on audio. And I appreciate that support as well. Right. Like I said, I could not do you know, this podcast every day, 19 shows a month, whatever it is, uh, without all the support I get. So we're talking about Texas to the college football playoff this year, potentially. And I think if you ask most Texas fans what their expectations for the team were this year, they would say they expect, you know, the team to get to 10 wins for the first time since 2018. Uh, they would expect the team to be in Arlington, at least for the Big 12 championship game. I expect them to win it, but anything can happen in a one game setting. We saw last year where TCU went undefeated in the regular season and then lost to Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. So I think most Texas fans would be happy if they got there, right? I don't think I would be satisfied if we lost that game, but it certainly would be a step in the right direction. And I haven't heard a lot of Texas fans expecting to get into the college football playoff this year, especially in the last year of there only being four teams to make it, right? That doesn't really leave a bunch of room for error in terms of navigating through your schedule. But I've been on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter. Right. And there are a lot, you know, or it seems to be a lot of, you know, kind of college football experts or national pundits that really believe in this Texas football team, not only as a team that should take the next step this year, but a team that possibly could be in the college football playoff and a team that a lot of people are starting to come out and say should be Alabama in week two 
on the road. And I think that that's where the conversation kind of starts with the college football playoff for this Texas football team. Because when you look at that Alabama game, it's by far the juiciest matchup on their schedule, right? When you look at Oklahoma, they were six and seven last year, even though they have an easy schedule and they've brought in some more talent. You don't know if they're going to take that big jump to being a, you know, really tough matchup or a signature win on your schedule, because last year that was not a signature win, right? When you look at Kansas state, they did win the big 12 championship, but they lost some really talented players, right? Deuce Vaughn, Julius Brents, the big 12 defensive player of the year who shouldn't have won it at the edge position, right? So will Kansas State be able to match that and be as good as they were last year? Will that be a signature win? Texas Tech is a team that's hot, right? But that's it. You know, they're just hot, right? Will they be good enough on the field this year for that to be a signature win? TCU, they went, you know, I think 13 and two last year, 14 and two, whatever it was, 13 and two, it would have had to be. But uh, they lost a lot of talent and a lot of people expect TCU to fall off. Right. So I think Alabama is the only game on your schedule that at least to the national media and the college football playoff committee, they would say, oh, OK, that's a signature win. Right. If you were to lose to Alabama and then run the table, I'm not sure that the other Big 12 teams would hold up their bargain enough to get Texas into the college football playoff, especially in the last year of only four teams making it. So I think it would be really prestigious if Texas could make it to the college football playoff uh, this year, especially being in the last year of four teams, because I think starting next year, when it expands to 12, there should be no scenario in which Texas is not a college football playoff team each and every year. I don't care how daunting your SEC schedule is. I don't care if you're playing Ohio State or Michigan in the out of conference. There should not be a scenario with all the talent on this football team, with the resources we have, with NIL and with this coaching staff, that Texas does not end up a top 12 team in college football next year moving forward at any point. Right. So, like I said, the conversation is going to kind of start and end this year, you know, on September 9th for Texas. And if they go into Alabama and win that game, then I think they have a path and probably control their own destiny to the college football playoff because it will validate everything we've heard all offseason. Oh, okay, this Texas football team is for real. If they lose that game to Alabama, then the narrative is, oh, okay, same old Texas. And like I said, I'm not sure there's another game on your schedule that's juicy enough to propel you into the college football playoff, even if Alabama is your only loss. So if Texas has a path to the college football playoff, that means they would have to be one of the top four teams. So let's look at some of the other contenders for the college football playoff this season and see where they might trip up or if they have a clearer path to the college football playoff. And we're going to start with Georgia. And I think they're a lot to make it. You know, I think their only question mark is they've had Stetson Bennett as their quarterback for the last two years, who probably based on his ranking shouldn't have started, you know, at the university of Georgia, but just for some reason, you know, they've been a little wonky at the quarterback position there, but you know, of course that's a Bennett stepped in and went to, you know, national championships. So it all worked out and now they're going to Carson Beck, Right. And so, you know, you would have to see with a new quarterback, if he can maintain the level of success they've had uh, the last few years, but you know, we know it's the university of Georgia, the way they've recruited that defense, what they have on the offensive side of the ball, that offensive line, Brock Bowers, their running game. They have good enough receivers, right, to make some noise and make plays. You just would expect Georgia to be back in the college football playoff this year. And really, I think the only time they would be challenged is in the SEC championship game. But I just don't see a scenario in which Georgia would lose more than one game. I think they probably go undefeated. And even with one loss, they should still end up in the college football playoff. I looked at their schedule and it's super cake for a two-time defending national champion, right? I mean, they're just going to blow through the majority of their schedule. The only two games I could see even being a problem 
you know, maybe even giving them any type of anxiety is at Tennessee, you know, with that offense they have, even though Georgia kind of manhandled Tennessee when they were undefeated last year. But, you know, if you go on the road, you know, 100,000 in Rocky Top, it's a tough environment, SEC football, anything can happen. Maybe not to this Georgia team, but anything can happen. That could be a game at least to watch out for, right? And that's a big rivalry. And then in the SEC championship game, maybe if they play Alabama, you know, a la 2021, you know, with Bryce Young, even though Bryce Young's not there anymore, you know, maybe a team can knock them off in the SEC championship game. But worst case scenario, I think they lose one game. I think Georgia is essentially a lock to make the college football playoff this year, unless Carson Beck is just horrible at the quarterback position. And I don't think that's the case. Michigan, uh, they've been there the last two years, I believe, if not the last year for sure. And they return a ton of talent. You know, Jim Harbaugh said he expects 20 players to be drafted from this Michigan team this year. Not sure if that's realistic. Right. But they are super talented. Bring back J.J. McCarthy. They bring back Blake Corum, you know, who certainly was in the Doak Walker and Heisman conversation before he got hurt last year. They always have one of the best offensive lines in the country. And that's a really good defensive team as well and when you look at their schedule it's super cake as well so cake that Jim Harbaugh is accepting a three-game suspension and it's probably not going to matter at all right and when you look at games that may be pitfalls on their schedule it is a little bit tougher than Georgia right but I still think they'll be able to run through it now this game might be surprising you know I'm mentioning this as a potential pitfall for uh, the Michigan Wolverines but at Nebraska right on September 30th I just think that Matt Rule is there he has a track record of turning teams around really quickly in college football you know I know that he didn't work out with the Carolina Panthers but you know some coaches are just built for college football and not the NFL and I think that that's a sneaky game at Nebraska we know they sell out that stadium pretty much almost every game and have done it for the last decade that could be a tough environment you know for a Michigan team going into Nebraska and you know, maybe they pull off the upset, but Michigan should win that game at Penn State. A lot of people are high on Penn State. They are a top 10 team right now, you know, going into uh, Happy Valley. You know, if it's a whiteout and, you know, they got the crowd going crazy, that could be a tough environment. I could see Penn State knocking off Michigan. And of course, in the big game, you know, the biggest rivalry in college football, it seems Michigan and Ohio State, anything can happen in that game. So even though Michigan has won the last two, maybe Ohio State can knock off Michigan this year even though that game is at home in the big house. So I would expect Michigan to get to the college football playoff. I could see a scenario in which Michigan goes undefeated. You know, I could see a scenario in which they beat Nebraska, Penn State, and Ohio State, even though those games could be potential pitfalls for the Michigan team. But even if they only lose one game, you should expect them to be in the college football playoff again this year. So now that's two teams, which leaves two spots. My next team is Ohio State, and I'm not sure Ohio State makes it this year, right, because they have a lot of uncertainty at quarterback. They were kind of on the outside looking in last year with C.J. Stroud, but they were able to make it because Alabama kind of had a down year and lost two games right, in a down year. So they still have not announced a starting quarterback. And, you know, I just don't know if you can assume that the quarterback they put in there will be as productive as C.J. Stroud was, right? C.J. Stroud was a Heisman candidate and the number two overall player in the NFL draft, right? At some point, you have to fall off at the quarterback position, especially, you know, like we've seen with Alabama, right? Whoever they start this year is not going to be Bryce Young, right? You just cannot keep stringing, you know, NFL quarterback after NFL quarterback after NFL quarterback. Eventually, there's going to be some drop-off, and this may be the year for Ohio State. And they have some tough games at Notre Dame, right? That's a game that they played, you know, in Columbus last year with C.J. Stroud and struggled to win. Notre Dame is going to be a lot better this season. That could be a team that knocks off Ohio State. They have Penn State at home this year. Like I said, Penn State is a top 10 team, a team that people are really high on. They could knock off Ohio State. And then, of course, they have to play at Michigan. 
that looks like a loss right now. So I see a scenario in which Ohio State has two losses this year. I do not think they make the college football playoff. USC, if you watch the college football preview, college football playoff preview on the channel, I predicted that USC will win the national championship this year, right? I don't know. Crazy. I think USC will win the national championship. And I think that's because in any game they step on the field, they have Caleb Williams, who probably will win the Heisman this year and is the best player in college football. So anytime they step on the field, they will have the best player on the field. And I know it's USC. There's always going to be concerns about the offensive line and the defense. But I just think Caleb Williams is too special. I think that offense under Lincoln Riley is too special. I think he finally gets over the hump and wins his first national championship this year. But they would have to get to the college football playoff to do that. And their toughest games on their schedule are Utah at home, Washington at home. So those are blessings, but two really tough teams that are going to give USC struggle and then at Oregon. Right. And that all happens in a four game stretch. So, you know, that could be really tough and you could see them falling to one of those matchups just because you're playing so many tough games in a row that eventually one of these really talented teams could get the better of you. But if they only have one loss and they can win the Pac-12 championship game or, of course, go undefeated, then USC will certainly be in the college football playoff. And like I said, I expect them to be there because I predicted them to win the national championship. And my last contender, these are my personal contenders, Clemson, right? And I think a lot of people are forgetting about Clemson, especially after they had a down year last year and lost three games. One of those games was to South Carolina by one point where DJ Ua Ungagale, I don't even know how to say his name, didn't even throw for 100 yards. The other game was a big loss to Notre Dame at home once Notre Dame kind of turned it on. And then you never know how you know much stock these players are putting into the bowl game, but they lost to Tennessee by a couple touchdowns. I think that was Cade Klubnick's first start, right? But us as Texas fans, you know, we know how good Cade Klubnick was at Westlake. And, you know, we expect him, you know, to be really good at Clemson. And I think Clemson, can get back into that national championship conversation because we know they're always going to have a really good defense. I think they have a really good running game and they're just a sound, you know, football team. So if K Klubnick hits, you know, and he is who we thought he's going to be out of Westlake, then they certainly have a path to the college football playoff this year. When you look at their schedule, they have Florida state at home, which is a blessing. And I think Florida state is going to be really good, but I think like last year, Clemson probably takes care of business in that game. They play North Carolina at home. Shout out to Matt Brown. You know, of course they have, uh, you know, Drake May, you know, who is one of the best quarterbacks in college football. But I think as a whole, North Carolina doesn't have enough talent to beat Clemson. And then out at South Carolina, you know, that's a tough environment to play in. Spencer Rattler may have a better year than he did last season. Uh, and he, we saw last year where he was able to knock off Clemson. But I just think K Klubnick year two, uh, that Clemson football team, I think they're on a mission. And I think they're going to knock off South Carolina. I really think there's a chance that Worst case scenario, they lose one game, but I really think there's a chance Clemson goes undefeated throughout the regular season and they make the college football playoff. So, like I said, Texas certainly has a path. It all depends on what happens in that Alabama game. But if I had to put my money on it right now, my college football playoff would be Georgia, Michigan, USC and Clemson with USC being the national champion. But if Texas goes into Tuscaloosa in week two and beats Alabama, then they control their own destiny. I might have to update this list on the episode following that Unlocked on Longhorns. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we're going to rank the top five players that have committed to the University of Texas since the 2022 class of the Steve Sarkeesian era.
Bird dogs make you look good. Bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice any movement. And bird dogs use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. That's all caps or enter the promo code locked on college for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college or promo code locked on college. Once again, all caps for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, so I got to thinking, you know, just about how talented, uh, you know, these recruiting classes, you know, that we're bringing into the University of Texas are and just how much talent, you know, Steve Sarkeesian has brought into the University of Texas, period, uh, since he's taken over the helm, right? And I wanted to rank all of the players, not all of them, but the top five players that he has gotten to commit to him, you know, since the 2022 class. I couldn't do sign because obviously the 2024 class has not had a chance to sign and you would assume that Colin Simmons would be on my list, right? You know, if you follow uh, Texas football, spoiler alert, he is, right? And I didn't want to include Xavier Worthy in it, even though he probably would be in the top five because he was just kind of the one player from the 2021 class. But most of that class is, you know, credited to Tom Herman. So here goes nothing, right? The top five players who have committed to Sark since 2022. And this is more of a projection, right? So this is more like if we're looking in 2028, 2029, right, when all of these players would obviously be gone from the University of Texas, hopefully, right, if everything goes right. Um, who were the top five players that committed to Texas at this point, right? Because half of these players haven't even taken a snap for her the University of Texas. Only one player on my list has, I should say. So this is more of a projection, right? If we're looking five, six years down the road, who were the top five players from these three recruiting classes as we look at it on August 23rd, because obviously the 2024 class is not set in stone yet. And there still are some players to commit. Right. So when we look at it, my number one player who has committed to Sark projecting long term since the 2022 class is Arch Manning. Right. I just think when you look at the quarterback position being the most important position on the field, that holds a ton of weight. Right. And, you know, I think Arch Manning will be the leader of this football team going into the SEC. We're already starting to see you know, kind of the writing on the wall, some of the tea leaves that, you know, he may even be threatening Malik Murphy right now for that quarterback two spot. And if that's the case right now, then a year from now, I probably would expect, you know, Arch Manning to win the starting quarterback job, even though Malik Murphy is going to make it really tough for him because he's a really talented quarterback and he brings a lot to the table himself as well. Right. But I think when you just look at Arch, his pedigree, um, you know, his football acumen, you know, his work ethic, you know, his, you know, on the field stuff, you know, his ability to throw the ball accurately, his mechanics, his progressions, all of that. He just really fits the Manning mold. Right. And they're three for three so far in terms of success. Right. Archie, Peyton and Eli were all really, really good at this football thing. And I think you just see the same dynamic in terms of Arch Manning. Right. And he's athletic. Right. And I think he might be the most athletic out of the four. And so I think when you go into the SEC with Arch Manning as your leader, you're going to have him if he starts next year for two years as your starting quarterback with all of the talent around him. I just think he will be the quarterback. If Quinn Ewers can't do it this year, Arch Manning will certainly be the quarterback to put Texas back on the map, to put Texas back at the top of college football. And I think 
for that reason alone, he has to be the number one player that Sark has brought in since the 2022 class. And I think that will only continue in the NFL. I think we're looking at a future superstar at the quarterback position, not only at Texas, but wherever team is lucky enough to get him in the NFL, he will be the face of the franchise for 15 plus years. Kelvin Banks is my number two. And I had to slot him in at number two because we've actually seen it on the field, right? He's the only player on my list we've seen on the field. And in his first year, he was a true freshman All-American. And in his first year, he went against some of the best edges in the country, right? Will Anderson, the number three overall pick. Tyree Wilson, the number seven overall pick. Will McDonald, the number 15 overall pick. And then I forgot where... Uh, the dude from Kansas State win, but I think he went at the end of the first round to the Kansas City Chiefs, right? So he went against four first round edges in his true freshman year, not being an early enrollee thrown into the fire. And he was able to be a freshman All-American and more than hold his own against four NFL players at that position. So I think Kelvin Banks is special. You know, I think that he brings everything to the table you want as a left tackle. And I think, you know, Quinn Ewers doesn't have much to worry about with his blind side when Kelvin Banks is blocked. And he's just a special player, uh, a special talent, you know, and somebody that they say he works as if he's not in the two deep, right? You know, he's a starter, a superstar on this team, and he works like he's fighting for a roster spot. And that's exactly what you want uh, from one of your best players. He just has the makeup right of a player that's going to be legendary at this level and hopefully at the next level i think kelvin banks is the second best player at least right now i could be wrong right but he's the second best player that has committed to steve sarkeesian since 2022 if i'm projecting long term number three is colin simmons and there's no secret or no surprise that my top three players are a quarterback, an edge rusher, and an offensive tackle. Because I've always said on here, those are the three most important positions in college football. And I had to put Colin Simmons at three because we've actually seen Kelvin Banks on the field. But when you talk about a dynamic player at the edge position like Colin Simmons, somebody who can wreck every single play on the offense, somebody who can you know, give quarterbacks, you know, offensive linemen and offensive coordinators nightmares and somebody who can just take over a game, you know, a la, uh, you know, Miles Garrett, a, a Vaughn Miller, a, a Nick Bosa, you know, a Micah Parsons, uh, you know, players like that, right? Colin Simmons has that type of pedigree, right? Like last year, you know, 33 tackles for loss, 22, 22 sacks, you know, in route to, uh, you know, a state championship. So he is just that type of player, that type of pedigree, that edge player that can dominate at that position. And can really, you know, make the rest of your defense better because the best defenses have an organic pass rush. The best defenses can get to the quarterback with four. And when Colin Simmons gets to the University of Texas, it looks like that's what Texas will have. Just a dynamic, you know, future superstar at that position, something they haven't had in over 10 years at the 40 acres. And like I said, he has that Von Miller, you know, Miles Garrett, you know, Nick Bosa, Michael Parsons type mode where he's just a freak athlete at that position and he wins more often than he loses. So I got Colin Simmons as the number three player to commit to Sark since 2022. Jonte Cook is my number four. And I've said multiple times that I think Jonte Cook might be the most talented wide receiver in the room right now. Arch Manning and Jonte Cook certainly could be the next Colt McCoy and Jordan Shipley on the 40 acres. I think Jonte Cook is Xavier worthy with better route running and he's more physical. Right. And I think that when you pair these two together next year, even though we'll see Jonte on the field this season, you're looking at two years of just explosiveness. Right. Mac Jones, Devontae Smith type stuff, you know, at the 40 acres, especially if this Texas football team continues to get better and better. So I think Jonte Cook might be the most talented wide receiver in the room this year. He'll certainly make an impact this year. But over the next two years, he's going to be the best quarter. I mean, the best wide receiver in college football and will go down as one of the best wide receivers in Texas football history and will be a superstar on Sundays as well. And my number five player to end the list is Cedric Baxter. And he's going to have a big role 
this year, should be a starting running back the next two years uh, for the Texas football team. And when you look at that size and speed combination, his vision, his ability to break tackles, make people miss or just run over people. He started off, you know, his high school career as a wide receiver. So he has really good hands. And, you know, they talked about, you know, with Steve Sarkeesian this early on, he trusts him in pass protection. That's huge for a true freshman running back who hasn't even played a snap yet. Right. So he's obviously came on, you know, this offseason and, you know, he's put on like 15 pounds and he's really had a strong offseason, you know, for a true freshman. And that's why, you know, Steve Sarkeesian trusts him. And he was the number one running back in the country for a reason. And we're going to see that translate on the field this year. So I think Cedric Baxter will be the next great running back at the University of Texas following uh, B. John Robinson may even win a Doak Walker Award. He will contribute to Texas being running back you. And I think five, six years from now, based on who's committed on August 23rd, 2023, Cedric Baxter will be one of the five best players that were recruited by Steve Sarkeesian from the 2022 through the 2024 classes. So that's my top five, Arch Manning, Kelvin Banks, Colin Simmons, Jontae Cook, and Cedric Baxter. But of course there are a ton of talented players that I left off. And that's why we think Texas is on the verge of being one of the top teams in college football. Again, a quick word from our sponsors and then some players from the 2022 class who may need to show out this year or could be on the verge of being recruited over. All right. So really quickly, you know, for the last segment, I was thinking about, um, you know, some players in the 2022 class. And now Texas is kind of at that point where um, they're bringing in so much talent, you know, year in and year out, especially with the transfer portal and the one time transfer rule and, you know, being able to play, you know, immediately, you know, being eligible immediately. Uh, you know, Texas is at the point now where, like I said, so much talent is coming in year in and year out. And so how much grace how much time do you give a player to develop and succeed on the field before you have to think about bringing in a player to at least challenge, excuse me, at least challenge him for that spot. Right. And I think you're at the point now where at most you can give a player two years, right. Before you at least start to think about replacing him at that position or bringing in somebody to compete with him at that position. So if we look at it, that 2022 class next year would be their third year. Right. And so, if they don't make noise this year, would you expect them to make noise as juniors, right? Or at that point, would you already have a contingency plan to bring in somebody or have already brought in somebody to challenge them or take over their spot, right? And so that's kind of the case, right? At these schools like Georgia, Alabama, Texas now, hopefully USC, Michigan, Ohio State, these big programs, you really have two years to make a name for yourself. You really have two years to kind of prove that you can be an asset to that football team if not, they got to move on and find somebody because these are the teams that expect to compete at the highest level every year. And so my first player is Jaden Blue. All right. And we expected him uh, to be a big part of the offense this year. You know, all throughout the offseason, we were kind of confused on how the running back rotation would look. And Steve Sarkeesian came out and really provided a lot of clarity. Right. He said he has three running backs he feels comfortable with in pass protection. And if you talk to any coach, we know what that means. Those are the three running backs that are going to play a lot this year. And everybody else, they're going to play sparingly. And he said that was Jonathan Brooks, Keelan Robinson, and Cedric Baxter. Somehow, with all of Jaden Blue's talent, he's on the outside looking in. I made the comparison a few weeks ago on the podcast. Is he the new Alfred Collins, where he has all the talent in the world, but for just some reason, it doesn't click and the coaching staff doesn't trust him? That seems to be the case. So Jaden Blue, super talented. Of course, he could be 
you know, the lightning to Cedric Baxter's thunder next year. But with Jared Gibson and Christian Clark coming in next season, I'm not sure that would guaranteed to be the case. Right. So Jaden Blue, you know, I'm not sure what he can do this year to get on the field and make a huge impact. But he's certainly a player that may be on the verge of being recruited over at the University of Texas, as talented as he is. Number two is B.J. Allen. I think we forget he was the number 117th overall player in the country. You would expect you know, to start to hear, you know, about him making some waves this year. But they brought in Jalen Catalan. Of course, you would take Jalen Catalan anyway. You had Jaron Thompson. And we've heard, you know, this offseason about Keaton Crawford. We've heard about Warren Robertson as a true freshman. We've heard about Derek Williams as a true freshman. We've heard that they're moving Jelani McDonald around. You know, he's making plays everywhere, you know, sometimes at the safety position as well. But we just haven't heard a ton about B.J. Allen, right? And when we have heard about B.J. Allen, it's that he's not progressed as far along as we thought he would, right? So that was surprising to me. You know, I always thought that, you know, him coming out of Alito would be a really good player for this Texas football team. And, of course, he still has time. But it just does not seem like he will have a huge role for this Texas football team this year. And then next year you bring in a safety like Jordan Johnson, Rubel, and of course you'll always be looking uh, in the transfer portal as well. So, you know, I would surmise that if BJ Allen does not have a big year this year or does not show the coaching staff something they have not seen thus far, then he won't have a big role next year. Right. And they'll be bringing in players to play over BJ Allen. My third player is Jamon Tapp. Right. And I don't think we have a ton of just dogs at the edge position right now, but it seems like the rotation is pretty solidified, right? You have Baron Sorrell, Justice Finkley, you know, Ethan Burke and Colton Bassick. And then we know that, uh, you know, Cecilia Akana is going to play a part. All of these players are going to play a part. But then you have Anthony Hill, who's going to be kind of your designated pass rusher on certain downs and kind of be in special packages to help put pressure on the quarterback, right? So it just does not seem like Jamon Tapp is going to have a huge role on the outside, outside of being depth or being a fresh body, right, to come in and, and get a pass rush while everybody else takes a breather, right? Then next year, you're going to bring in Colin Simmons. And of course, you're going to be looking for D linemen in the portal as you get into the SEC. So, you know, I think it's going to take a big year, you know, for Jamon Tapp. Otherwise, he could be on the verge of, you know, being on the bubble or being recruited over and not having much playing time next year if he stays at Texas. And then my last two players are Christopher Ross and Jare Bledsoe up front in the middle, right? You brought in Trill Carter in the transfer portal. You brought in Sadir Mitchell and you're looking to get, you know, Dominic McKinley uh, next weekend on September 1st. And so that is a position where you've kind of recruited over Christopher Ross and Jare Bledsoe. We just haven't heard uh, a ton about those players making an impact. Now, hopefully I'm wrong. You know, hopefully they get into the rotation this year and can be assets on the football team. But, you know, we've heard about, of course, Devondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, <laughs> you know, Sadir Mitchell, all of those players. And then, like I said, you brought in a lot of D tackles next year, you know, and then Trill Carter in the transfer portal. We just haven't heard a lot about Christopher Ross and Jare Bledsoe and you know, like the rest of the players on this list could be on the verge of being recruited over on a very talented Texas football team. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hook them. Peace.